Hello, this is me, Toku, and everyone we know, a podcast about friends watching Japanese science fiction and fantasy media, from Azkaiser to Zerum. I'm Kyle. And I'm Quincy. And Quincy, what are we uncovering this week? We are watching the Toho film, uh, The Secret of the Telegian. Now, this is part of a um, meta-series. We're going to use the term meta-series a lot in this show. Basically, that means a bunch of things related by theme more than an actual or or uh, IP than an actual like straight continuity but this is part of the Toho meta series on mutated human bodies mm-hmm. uh, so so this is a horror movie from what year Kyle 1960 I believe no sorry yeah 1960 yeah and the movie starts out in a carnival mm-hmm. and uh, these people are going through a carnival and uh, there's a murder. And so it's a kind of a, a standard murder mystery, but they can't find the killer. And then it's revealed that it's through uh, science fiction and it's a revenge movie. Yeah, it's a teleportation revenge film, which is, I think, my favorite kind of revenge film. Yeah, it's very good. Revenge films in general are very good, but then you add science fiction and mm-hmm. at the time cutting it, Edge hard special science effects. fiction. Hard also. science fiction where they actually explain, you know, if you pull this lever in the thermo capacitator, it reverses the neutron flow and <laughs> it'll work. It's very good. Yeah. Um, I think what I like about this film is, like a lot of the other great uh, tokusatsu films of the 60s, it is still commenting on post-war Japan. Yeah in a very socially conscious way. It is set in 1959. It is 14 years after the atomic bomb attacks. And Um, we are dealing with a human that is physically altered by scientific man-made means. As a result of Japan losing the war indirectly, because they pulled a Kelly's heroes in a flashback, and he was cut out of the gold heist by his comrades who were trying to steal some gold bullion for themselves when he wanted to return to the people of Japan. And what's really great is, as per all revenge movies, we have, one by one, these original four uh, men re- uh, reaping the uh, their comeuppance. Yeah, these extremely murderable scumbags. Yeah, and they're very... And one of them is a Yakuza, and uh, actually almost... There's like... A corrupt construction official. There's a corrupt ex-secret agent, a corrupt army guy, and then the other guy, I think, is like a gangster or something. Yeah. Yeah, so they're all very killable. And one by one, they're killed by the Telegian's uh, signature weapon, which is a... A Japanese Imperial Army bayonet. (laughs) Yeah, an infantry-issue bayonet. And, And one of the things we talked about is... Just how many of those could he get? But I guess, uh, like any army surplus, there's enough laying around. Well, Quincy to... only has one. He only has one. He's a Telegian. Oh, you're right. Okay. Okay. So the way the so the Telegian, what he does, he's got this matter transmitter device, which they explain in one scene as being basically a television that instead of projecting an image, projects a, a people. So he goes into the transmitter and projects himself to a repeater. And then walks out of that and goes murdering people. But, the week, but he's all staticky because he's not actually there. So he's making a copy of himself and the copy is murdering people. And then the copy takes yeah. the knife. and, and So he's got his away. bayonet and that's 
copied to this to his Telegian copy that stabs the dude, and then yeah, yeah. So what's especially fantastic about this teleportation, which is kind of the crux of the film, mm-hmm. is that it's all traveling mat shots. Yeah. The the actor that plays this monster uh, revenge killer is presented as television static. Mm-hmm. So the entire time he's walking around, he is uh, covered in um, static waves yeah, and ripples lines. and scan yeah. lines. Beautiful. So the way that they shot the film, he is not on the... the it's uh, a matte shot. They uh, printed it in the with the optical printer later. Mm-hmm. So it is especially unsettling because it crosses the uncanny uncanny valley enough that something is off Mm -hmm. and the director plays with that and makes it a suspenseful horror movie because it doesn't feel good to watch because it looks realistic Mm -hmm. but it doesn't follow the laws of nature so it really leaves you with kind of an ill unsettled feeling yeah and they point out a lot of times he does not look well like he goes because he has to buy like air conditioner parts at some point because you have to keep his equipment cold. And the officer is like, "Yeah, there's he's buying air conditioners in winter. No wonder he looks so cold and clammy." And it's also revealed uh, in one of the final scenes, which is one of the best scenes, then in a struggle where the Telegian is murdering one of the the original uh, sinners, his uh, he his face is ripped apart, and it's it's revealed that he's been wearing a mask for the entire film and he's horribly scarred by um, radiation and an explosion and has this melted looking skin. Oh man. It's, it's so good when he melts too. Yeah. They just melt that man in the machine. So, so yeah, his spoiler for a, sorry, a movie that's super <laughs> old, but for a the, 60 year old yeah, film, but the best uh, use of this mat shot is when he, is in the te- in, in the teleporter for the final time it goes awry and he turns into just static and disappears forever mm-hmm. and uh it is an extended scene of uh him coming apart and it's very fascinating and very beautiful they've got like they've got like multiple like convex and concave lenses i think they're just rotating through you just make his features just go bloop it's we it's wild undulating uh yeah. dis uh, disapparition. <laughs> so, of course, you have to have someone to root for. Even though uh, ghouls like Kyle and I are rooting for the Telegian because he's taking vengeance on corrupt uh, Japanese veterans, uh, the Japanese audience needs someone to care about. So there's a reporter who is trying to figure out the story because I guess in Japan, a press pass lets you do whatever you want. Yeah, well, he's college buddies with an, of a homicide detective also. Like, he's a science... He's the science reporter that writes... He writes about, like, audio... Like, stereophonics was his big breakthrough story, and he just happens to bump into his old college roommate who's a homicide detective. He's like, hey, you want to help... You want to cover a crime story instead? <laughs> so he's the one who is unraveling uh, along with the audience what the actual mystery is because mm-hmm. it's not really clear from early on if it's supernatural or something else it's established that this killer died you know 20 years ago uh so it's this or 14 years ago so it's this idea that 
is he a ghost? Is he real? He's presented in this incorporeal form. And then uh, along with the reporter and his investigation, we uh, have really good onboarding where we learn the science and we learn how all this is happening. I will say, I would put science in air quotes because they do describe it as much like a yoga master can project his thoughts through through telepathy or appear in other places through astral projection. The same principle holds true for television sets and radios. Therefore, by combining the two concepts, you have the ability to transmit a human over radio waves, which I don't know that that holds up. It's as if the screenplay writer was like, can we just agree that it's cool? Let's yeah. just say it's cool and do it. But Don't like, make me explain how. They put enough thought into it that it works within itself. And I call it hard science fiction, even though it is a ridiculous premise, simply because they do enough work. Like, they... The early clue is they find that little, like, superconductor chunk. It's like, yeah, well, this piece of metal only works as a transistor if you keep it at this exact temperature. And then it's like, well, there's this guy buying all the air conditioner equipment to do industrial cooling, and then... Etc. Etc. Yeah. So. So again, the mystery is unraveled as it goes. Other things of note. Let's talk about the costuming in this film. Oh my gosh. Um, you want to dive straight into the uh, bar, or do you want to start with the uh, overcoats? The the bar. So <laughs> there is a wartime bar, which which in retrospect is a little cringy to have a the good old days of World War II bar, Mm -hmm. but all of the waitresses are wearing uh, skimpy sailor suits and all of the um, bouncers are wearing actual Imperial Army Army uniforms and carrying carrying rifles with bayonets. Uh, A really great line in the scene is they drink, is the, um, I believe it's the reporter, drinks a very terrible drink. And he said, what is this? And the waitress says, it's a hand grenade. And he says, well, it's no good. Give me something uh, less strong. And she says, one missile coming right up. (laughs) In this bar, though, there is a woman painted... It's a cabaret bar, and the dancer is painted wearing like a bikini, and I think a giant headdress, and is painted like Goldfinger gold. Which is interesting, because this movie came out in 1960. I think the novel Goldfinger is already out. Yeah. I don't have that information in front of me. So there's this question of who influenced whom, or if it's a case of parallel thought, Uh, but you have this woman in you know, the most dazzling gold and just for like a moment. So it's a really interesting set piece to not fixate on, yeah. but it, it, the, it's the kind of boondoggle that make to, that makes Tokusatsu so wonderful that the studio was like, sure, we'll throw that much money at that. Why not? Even though it's for, you know, it, if they had a tighter, line producer mm-hmm. they'd say we don't have the money for that we got to cut that well i think what it was again this is 1960 i think this might have been june Fukata's first color film yeah so they're like you know we're gonna go all out yeah in color. we're gonna throw color at this you know they, they do that that uh, haunted house sequence in the beginning the, the the cave of horrors it's called and there's all the neon lights yeah. and all the face masks and all the costumes there's neon lights throughout this they, they make amazing use of the toho backlot in this yes it is all clear like it's all just you know very few uh feet of actual set Mm. but it looks like an expansive you know japanese countryside which is 
they use that Godzilla giant soundstage where they build like a realistic countryside. They use, they build a whole city street indoors for a sequence. When they have to go through the warehouse history, they just shoot on the Toho backlot and they use the outside of the sound stages as the warehouses. It's yeah, great. so you can see the numbers on the sound stages where they were keeping track of who's shooting in what sound stage. But, you know, it's it's like, well, the, no, those are warehouses. They're not sound stages. Uh, and, of course, you know, only people who are doing a podcast 60 years later are going to stop <laughs> and go, well, actually, they're the movie sound stages from the movie studio. Uh, but. Uh, this is also a really great film because it features just Japanese early, late 50s, early 60s mm-hmm. fashion. Yeah. Um, you get the, the long skirts, you get the, sh- the short perms and the lightened hair, which in a couple years is going to be Sukeban fashion because Sukeban is like uh, Bancho's, like uh, Japanese boy- male gangs. Girl gangs are very rockabilly inspired in the 70s and 80s. So in a few more years, teenagers will be are dyeing their hair red and uh, putting their skirts down to their ankles to be subversive. And it's wild to see that here. Um, gosh. It's, it's very good. Um, other things of note that we need to talk about are... So the director for this one, as I mentioned, is... Um, I lost it now, is uh, Jun Fukuda. Jun Fukuda is just a worker. You know, Toho... We see, we'll see this as we go through movies in particular. Um, Japan in the 60s, 70s, I think into the 80s, still worked under the studio system, the way they did in the golden age of Hollywood. So you'd have, these are the Toho actors, these are the Daiye actors, these are the Toho directors, the Daiye directors, etc. And usually never the twain shall meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and when, especially when we get into the mid-60s, mm-hmm. the Gamera... Um, Godzilla feud mm-hmm. uh, even starts to infect Godzilla the Originator starts to copy Gamera mm-hmm. because the, his films were more popular. Right. But uh, Ishiro Honda, for example, is the Godzilla guy. He keeps getting the Godzilla movies. Jun Fukuda started off as the Yakuza guy. He was doing crime movies. And then he started doing uh, spy movies. And then he started doing a weird mix of science fiction and teen beach comedies. He was just kind of like the guy that your, your job is to catch the wave. Your job is to ride that wave until the next big thing hits. And yet, all of his previous movies build to this film because this movie has those story beats mm-hmm. and set pieces of spy movie, Yakuza film, science fiction, routine romance. Mm-hmm. Um, what's different about the... Um, the Telegian, though, is that the uh, protagonist and his female counterpart are not young, attractive Japanese actors. They are adults, yeah. uh, which which really tells you who this movie is marketed towards. This is not a Gamera marketed at children or a um, pinky film marketed at teenagers. Uh, it's a movie marketed towards serious adults. Yeah, like I mean, they're not like unattractive people but they are they look like a handsome kind of schlubby mid-30s reporter and a attractive early 30s office worker lady and, and that's a, the thing they're not the 19 year old yeah. heartthrob they're actors in their 30s yeah and they're just presented as uh joe regular exactly and and i think what's interesting and refreshing is that at this period in japanese cinema um science fiction movies are treated as legitimate art form 
and that's something I think especially Toho is good for. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to talk about Gojira soon, but uh, Telegian is is indebted to the political conversation mm -hmm. that is tied to this studio's um, giant monster and science fiction output. And we're going to get back to Jun Fukuda later as well, because he directed... Um, three of my favorite Godzilla movies. Yes. Uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan, Godzilla vs. Megalon, and Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla are all this guy. Yeah. And, and War in Space. Uh, and Zone Fighter, the Godzilla television series. So we'll be talking about him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about this. So what else uh, do we have? Uh, do you have any trivia for us? Well, you know, there's an unproduced sequel to this. <laughs> I did a direct know that. sequel. So I mean, there's the three, as we're going to call it, the meta series. I think if we explained previously, a meta series is a series of properties that are considered of a piece, even though they're not directed by you know Ultraman, Super Sentai, whatever. So this is the second film of the Human Monster meta series, which is H Man, Telegion, and uh, Human Vapor. Um, the un the direct sequel to this that was scripted and never shot is um, Transparent Man versus fireman i believe and it is it would feature the an invisible man fighting the telegian who after he was melted in the telegian accident at the end of this film becomes a man made out of flames <laughs> and and it's really unfair that we don't have that because they would have used the same map uh matting effect mm -hmm. for a, a flaming man and i think it would have looked really awesome yeah. It probably would have looked like uh, a couple of the effects in Halsu, but I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah, that was that's uh, the long lost Invisible Man versus Human Torch or Transparent Man versus Flame Man. Um, there's a screenplay for that floating around somewhere, but it's in Japanese. I can't read it. I don't know if it's any good. Um, the Invisible Man also would have made a direct sequel to Invisible Avenger, which is one of the two dueling Invisible Man franchises in Japan. Um, Daie produced a series of Invisible Man movies. Toho produced a series of Invisible Man movies. We will talk about that in a future episode as well because I am all about that wild interstudio rivalry between Daie and Toho. Yeah, and it, it is still going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, Toho is, is clearly the winner. <laughs> yeah, Toho uh, won the war, but, uh, you know, like Sega, there are still some... Uh, Daie gems and some Daie uh, hardcore fans. Um, man, yeah. Um, gosh, I wish... sorry, not sorry that I just <laughs> called it. I just put Sega on on uh, watch notice there. Look, if any game console was going to have Dimogen, it would be the Sega Genesis. Yeah, it actually, would have <laughs> been the Sega Mark III. It a, that would have mastered some title right there, like Sukiban Deka on the Master System. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Man. so Kyle, where can our listeners find us on the interwebs? Well, you can follow the show on Instagram, which posts uh, infrequently. It'll post uh, GIFs and pictures from the films as we, as we watch them, uh, film posters as we release episodes. That's on Instagram, at Toku We Know. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Toku We Know. You get a few more GIFs that way. Um, Quincy, where can people find you? Uh, so people can find my other podcast, uh, Rank and Vile, on Instagram at Rank and Vile or on Twitter at Rank and Vile Cast. Fantastic. Well, folks, thank you for listening today. We really appreciate you. Uh, we'll be back soon with some more um, Japanese science fiction in the near future. In the meantime, be kind to each other. 
Thanks for listening to me and Toku and everyone we know. Our show comes out twice a month at tokuwino.cast.rocks, and if I built this correctly, you can also find us on Google, iTunes, and anywhere else that pods are cast. Our intro music is Friendship Blast OK by Ryan Boyd. Make sure to check out Ryan and Quincy's other show, Rankin Vile, at rankinvile.podbean.com. It's a spooky show about scary movies, and we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.